Welcome to episode 48 of The Photo Show. Today we are sponsored by the School of Visual Arts MFA Photography Video and Related Media Program chaired by Charles Trout. And our guest uh, for this episode is uh, the wonderful and talented uh, Gary Schneider, who's um, been on the photography scene for decades and uh, is actually at a pretty uh, exciting moment in his career, uh, teaching-wise, uh, chair of the uh, program the up-and-coming and very hot MFA program. Uh, at Rutgers. At Rutgers, uh, exactly. Mason Gross. Yeah. Yes. And uh, also, you're going to hear about that he uh, just facilitated this amazing uh, donation of uh, all of this work that he uh, collected when he was a printer for such luminaries as Peter Hujar and uh, his own personal work going to Harvard University. So um, really incredible. Yeah, we had a, we had a great conversation about his collection going to Harvard and uh, his background, which is really interesting. And, you know, he's he was uh, born in South Africa. And we talk a lot about, um, you know, how he got into photography. And and he, you know, he he sort of uh, came of age in photography in the postmodern world. And he had a, a very interesting way of dealing with that. Absolutely. Uh, he's also a guest at the Columbia University uh, photo intensive program. So I'm seeing him uh, this Monday again, and I was just on the phone with him earlier. So uh, it's nice. Oh, to, that's great. Yeah, nice to revisit this right as I'm about to, to see him again. Uh, but yeah. for those who are in the New York area, we want to mention some stuff related to alums of the of the show. Uh, so maybe first up coming up is uh, Ephraim Zalani Mandel, who uh, we spoke with also at SVA. He has uh, been asked to curate a show that he's calling Familiar Strange, which is an exhibition of new works of the MFA 2017 graduates from ICP. And uh, that's going to be shown at uh, Baxter Street Camera Club of New York, mm -hmm. which is also tying into Libby Pratt, who was on the show. So there's... Uh, two different uh, alums of the program coming together. Yeah, and I also I want to just do a little extra plug there. But Ephraim's also going to curate a show for me at the James Kearney Gallery this fall. So we'll have more about that later. Oh, excellent. Uh, let's see what other exhibitions are worth seeing if you're coming through the city. There's, of course, everyone's talking about Irving Penn, and we've mentioned it before. But there's also mm -hmm. a sweet little, uh, just opened a sweet little um, Helen Levitt show at the Larry Miller Gallery. And mm. uh, a young photographer who uh, we have scheduled to be a future guest on the show, hopefully uh, this summer coming up, uh, Lissa Rivera is at Clamp Art and uh, the New York Times uh, Sunday art section did a, the front page uh, of her show called Beautiful Boy. So if you are in the city, get over to Clamp Art and see that. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'll want to throw in a few plugs for our sponsor. Um, SVA's MFA um, students are having a thesis exhibition June 17th through July 8th with the reception on June 21st. And that's at the SVA Chelsea Gallery. And you can see that on their website. Uh, there's also a, an art faculty show at the SVA Gramercy Gallery, June 22nd through June 29th reception on June 22nd. And again, those are all at uh, sva.edu. Yeah, and uh, we... One more here for our New York people, but although this one you can see by streaming it uh, online is um, very exciting. Lee Friedlander in conversation with his grandson, Giancarlo T. Roma, coming up at New York Public Library. Ooh, I want to say it's next Tuesday the 21st. Does that sound right, Michael? Actually, it's Tuesday the 20th. Okay, great. If you... 
if you look on the, the website, you'll see that they're going to be live streaming it. Or if you're in the city, I think the tickets are $40 and there's still some left. Uh, and so that's yeah. coming up on Tuesday, the 20th. Yep. 6 p.m. And I just spoke with Tom Roma, who said that who said there there are still tickets available. Yeah. And Tom Roma, let's a shout out. Uh, Tom just had his 67th birthday and his 30th wedding anniversary with Ana Roma. That's right. And so when you put those three together, you also have SPQ auditions and everything else. So uh, that's right. Yeah, there's a lot, lot of things going on right now. All tied in. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, I think without further ado, uh, we've got this exciting uh, conversation with Gary Schneider for you guys to listen to. Yeah, so enjoy, everyone, and we'll talk soon. Actually, uh, telling me earlier that um, you just had a nice uh, acquisition of some some work of yours. Well, actually, Harvard just acquired yes. work from uh, a lab that you uh, were a partner in. Yes, yes, is yes. that right? Did I say that right? Well, my partner and I, mm-hmm. John Erdman and myself, yes. uh, uh, opened a lab. Uh, in 1981. In 1981. Yeah. I know, I know. Let's date me. Let's yeah. date me. <laughs> um, and I'd been working in a photo lab before that, during, like, through graduate school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd worked at Klaus Moser Lab, and that was on, uh, around the corner here, actually, on 16th Street between the park, or not, not the park, one over, like, is that Third Avenue? Anyway, I worked there for a few years. Oh, and near Union Square. And I learned, the, I learned the how there. Right. Well, what seemed interesting to me is that, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, there are many people who've done custom printing for people or yes. been known as printers, but it sounded like the relationship you had with the artists you were printing with, it was much more like the, like a print shop, right? Where you were collaborating with them and then you were getting a, pr- a printer's proof. The printer's proof began slightly later, Okay. Um, and it was because uh, of the the kind of relationship I had with the artists I worked for, mm-hmm. um, and so I was I spent enormous amounts of time making the prints, making the editions, often not editions like you know accumulated editions sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Some people couldn't afford to print out editions. Oh yeah. Um, and then I'd get given a print. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't, so it's it wasn't that formal. collection. It's that collection that the press release that just came out from Harvard is describing. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the printer's proof. Right. The yeah. printer's proof collection. Yeah. Right. So, so that, that must be quite a collection because I know you had a great clientele at yes, your lab. Yes, they describe. Right? I mean, in a way that 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 press release is extraordinary because it mm-hmm. really does describes some of the people uh, I, I printed for. I sent it to the two of you. Yes. Because yes, I yes. thought, well, yes, we could simply talk about my work. But this is Oh, we, are, other, we will. We will is, talk about But this about is your also yeah. another kind of relationship that an artist can have with another artist that is somewhat, it's not uncommon. Yeah. But you have the opportunity right here. Yeah, and the range was really dramatic. And what John and I, my partner's name is John Erdman, mm-hmm. what we, you know, we've been having many meetings with the curator and scholars up at Harvard. 
And we realized it was, there was, because we didn't advertise, we only advertised really once. It was a gift from Photo District News when they first opened up and they couldn't afford <laughs> to pay for printing. And we did an exchange and it oh, was wow. the last time we ever advertised <laughs> because, you know, people thought we were a one-hour photo lab. We got oh, those kind God, of requests yeah. from right. it, right? So w- what was interesting is that several communities of photographers and artists who, and the communities are interdependent in interesting ways, but there are these communities and it was all word of mouth. Mm. So it was friends and then friends of friends. Yeah, what well, sounded from reading the press release, and I wanted to ask you about it as well, is that it's part of this exciting convergence of, you know, the downtown scene of New York, too, yeah. and what was going on there in the 80s. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at the names, you know, of course, Peter Hujar jumps out and, and other people from that time, but it's encapsulates this this part of uh, this history of photography that um, we keep bumping into still over and over yeah. again, right? And so for you to have that archive is pretty incredible. And then to be able to preserve it and keep it together somewhere like at, at, in Harvard, that's amazing. Well, uh, the greatest aspect of it is that I no longer have to be the custodian, yeah. oh. which was yeah. very difficult. I mean, when we were even when we had no money, we would still make sure that our central air was working and the humidity levels were correct and you know it's really rough yeah you were were keeping things at a museum level as much as possible or storage call us a museum level but (laughs) at a level where where the prints wouldn't get um deteriorated by environmentally you know airborne contaminants right and with humidity uh, problems. Yeah. Well, from the press release, um, some of the some of the names they they, they uh, included were Richard Avedon, Matthew Barney, Peter Campus, James Casabier, Louise Dahlwolf, Eric Fischel, Robert Gover, Nan, Nan Golden, Peter Hujar, who uh, you just mentioned, Kai, Mary Ellen Mark, Jills Perez, John Schabel, is it Schabel? Schabel. Schabel. Yeah. Uh, Lorna Simpson and David Wojnarowicz. Wojnarowicz. There we go. <laughs> I mean, the interesting part about uh, Wojnarowicz and Hujar, I met David through Peter. And when I first came to this country, I got introduced to Peter by John, my partner, who had known him already for several years. Mm. And we just became very close. And he and Peter got me my first job in a photo lab. Mm, I was in grad school. I had no money and I needed a job, like a lot of grad students. (laughs) Yes. Right? (laughs) And so you must have known Vince Aletti too, right? I'm very close to Vince. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. So there's that community, right? Yeah, it was a big social scene as well. Yes. So David through Peter, Nan, because of them, Mm. mostly Peter, Mm. Peter Hujar. So Nan Golden yeah, printed a, an entire exhibition for Nan that, that is in the collection now. Mm. Uh, early, early, early black and white work. I don't know if you're aware of it. Yes. It's yeah. really powerful. And it's the, I think it's great work. It's extraordinary early black and white work. Because it's, yeah. it is the work, yes. right? It's, you know, you can see this, all of the work mm-hmm. with, with, inside of that body of work, right? Yeah. It was exhibited at Matthew Marks uh, several years ago. I don't know if you no, saw I that. Didn't. Oh, oh, no, I did but it was an exhibition made for Diane B. Mm. in Paris. I've spoken to Vince in the past about it, and it, the way he made it sound to me was that Peter Hujar mm. was a real, he was a figure that a lot of people wound up uh, meeting each other because of him, although 
he also like usually only met with the individuals one-on-one or in different groups. Like they were all sort of separated from each other, but they met each other because of him. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he did, he did bring certain people together, but actually, yes, your relationship with him was very private. Right. It was very personal, very intimate. Uh, and I think he was, he was, he had that kind of, he's quite right, friends. he had that kind of relationship with many people. Right. Uh, but we knew of each other because it was a small East Village community, yeah. really. Very small. And, and, and um, yeah. while, when you were in it, while you were doing it, I mean, did you, did you feel like the excitement of, I mean, were you, did you realize the, the importance of the work you were printing and the clients that you had? And I mean, did it? Did you did you realize the historical significance? I guess no. You how yeah, do you? How right. It's happening in real time. Yeah. I, I did love printing. I mean, I have a very monkey brain, <laughs> if you like, <laughs> and only when I'm working, when I'm in the darkroom now in the computer, am I. I'm very focused, like really focused, so I can spend an entire day just being focused in that way. So it made sense for me to just do the work. Yes, I did think the people that came to me, I did think they were all really great, but that's my nature of suspending any judgment on any of the work in order to bring as, as you know, in order to catalyze the work, mm-hmm. right? In order to uh, make the work be as good as I could or as to bring the work up to the expectation of the artist in Mm -hmm. each case. Right. So, yes, some of them weren't famous, right? Some of them were, like Richard Avedon was already very famous. Um, David was a working kind of successful artist, you know, David Vonorovich. I didn't print for Peter till much later, but I was processing his film from, from while I was working at Klaus Moser. So like in the late 70s, I started, I think, I'm trying to find out, because all the contact sheets are now at uh, the Morgan Library. And once they've put everything in order, I could see which contact sheets are mine, because they're all ASO, huh. they're all ferrotyped, and they're all wow. numbered with the date that it came into the lab. You were using wow. ASO for contact sheets? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. We're talking oh, about that right spoiled. now in an interview. Yes, oh. yes, yes. No, I mean, for, for the book. For the, oh, it's yeah. kind of an interesting thing, yes. Yeah. When they stopped Do you making, know ASO? Oh, when sure. they stopped making ASO, I stopped shooting 8x10, because oh, I, just, yes. I just loved printing 8x10 yes. on ASO. And really extreme extraordinarily yeah. malleable paper, Amazing. right? Amazing. I know. And forgiving know. and beautiful and yes, everything. Yes, yeah. but very, very, very slow. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you're like, oh, let's turn on the 300-watt light bulb. Yes. And, you know, well, I had a special contact print, oh, yeah. uh, oh. printer built. Right. It's actually now at Rutgers. They don't really know what to do with it. Uh, but it was a standing <laughs> thing built for me by Costner. Mm. I think Costner. And it sort of rolled down this platen, oh, right. and huge quantities of light were pumped through the negatives sure. onto yeah. the onto the onto Azo. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah. Yes. Alas, some yes, things. Yes, yeah. Yes. The silver chloride papers. I don't know if they'll ever be made again. You know. <sighs> no. That's why I use the warm tone Ilford because it's like it still has some silver chloride. I know, in but Azo. Like you know, Azo wasn't that warm thing either. No. So no. it's a very interesting, th- a, yeah. a very beautiful paper. Like for a cold tone paper, yeah. right? 
Yeah. And you would yeah, ferrotype yeah. even the contact sheets? Wow. Well, we had a big Peco drum. Okay. And so uh, we'd pack a soul. Mm-hmm. Do you know what pack a soul is, you guys? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not old enough, Michael. I, I'm older than I uh, look. <laughs> I was we, here in the late 80s. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're kidding. At the School of Visual Arts. Oh, yeah. wow, wow. They probably had a big Peco drum. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yes, they did. yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and wow. we would ferrotype. It yeah, was easy yeah. enough to do. Well, it depended on yeah. the client. Some people didn't want, you know, they wanted. So you just turn it over. And it would go, you know, you do emulsion to the mm-hmm. to the platen. Uh, well, right before we got distracted by Azo, I was going to add, I was going to point out that one of the things I read in this article about the the work and, and your collaboration and that word was used collaboration. With, yeah, with no, I, I I never. It's it's very generous. I thought that the press release was unbelievable. I mean, I, I read the thing and thought, oh my god, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's like, who is this guy? Yeah, no, 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 who, who I want to meet him. You know, yeah, gone too. It's yeah. kind of this interesting, <laughs> you know, this interesting historical moment for us, for us really. Right? Yeah, of course. So, uh, but I, the, I, sorry, yeah. the thing I was going to say is that it, it, it brought up this idea that you were, that with each client, you were uh, trying to come up with a technique and for each, you know, for each portfolio for to, for lack of a better term to you know work with them to find a way of making that work particularly uh, presented the best possible way and thinking about because I do want to get to your work too thinking about you as an artist and whatever your aesthetic is that you were you were finding a way of putting that aside and not saying they weren't coming to you to get the you know your look of their negative they're you're coming to you because you're aware of the possibilities of what things you could do with it separate from your own aesthetic, right? Exactly that. No, no, truly exactly that. Because I had my own work, I made, well, I come out of performance, I come out, you know, I come out of uh, an art training that, or maybe it's my nature, I don't know, but it was very easy for me to suspend my own desires for the work and present each artist, each photographer, with what what I would like channel from each as their desire mm. for the work. And if I couldn't, then I couldn't work for them. Oh. I never wanted to bring my, yes, sure, there, there's certain kinds of tonalities that I preferred, right, right to see, mm. right? But I never would impose that on an artist I would offer it as a possibility, right? Because there was a long proofing process, unlike most labs today. I mean, the reason why we really got a printer's proof is that I only charged for a print that somebody was able to exhibit. I never charged for anything interim. And if they didn't find anything exhibitable within a few tries, I would, I would cancel the relationship rather than... because. Then I thought, well, I'm not understanding something. I never not a good ma- match. I never particularly blamed, but it was not a good match, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I like to go through that exchange. It's kind of a silent, in a in a yes. There was a lot of talking. I'm a talker, right? I'm you know, and in those days, I drank a lot of coffee. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, I now don't drink coffee. Like as for the last five weeks, actually. Very oh. proud of myself. Oh, oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had to. <laughs> so you're, you're past the headache stage, and now you're on. No, to... I never got the headache oh, stage, weirdly enough. Oh. No, I'm very lucky. Um, <laughs> for me, that exchange was very wonderful 
And I make portraits. As an artist, I make portraits. I'm interested in that mm. one-on-one uh, sharing, right? It's a kind of sharing within, the, within their work, right? I'm learning their work through their responses to the work and what they've come in with. Oh, this is good. <laughs> That's interesting. It's good to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> but we've been thinking. I've been thinking. I mean, obviously, because the book is yeah, deadlining very this. soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not a catalog for the show. It's really a book. book. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to reading the essays, and it'll be an illustrated book. Oh, yeah. yeah. There'll be a said, website, huh? They also said you're doing oral history along with it. So yes, they've been interviewing you and John. Right? Yes, a lot. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's been going on for a couple of years. Uh, yeah, no, no. It's, so you must they be really used, do. You're used I mean, to it's be. Harvard. They. They really research. Right. I mean, it's amazing <laughs> to go to a meeting there where the scholar already has all the information mm. that is available. And so they bring that to you and, you know, have questions about right. it. Right? right? It's really amazing. It's right. really amazing. It's been a very exciting process. Oh, that's great. Mm. And so that makes sense. Did it make sense about the exchange Absolutely. with yeah. the artist? And so in a way... We had already become collectors. It's, I, what also is described in that press release are these gifts that we've been making of modernist and uh, early European work. Mm. And so we'd been collecting things because in those days, in the early 80s, you could, nobody really, you know, this whole issue of vintage wasn't f- quite formed yet. Mm. And so you could acquire slightly damaged or prints for reproduction, right? With like a million stamps on the back mm-hmm. for very little money because they, nobody wanted them. Yeah. They, you know, they just weren't popular. And so we accumulated quite a collection. And so, yes, I was also collecting the people I was working for. You know, it really was that. Mm-hmm. So we were acquiring, we were sort of protecting things. I liked things to remain in the dark in boxes, protected, stored correctly but it was also me accumulating my own it was my history too my labors my labors yeah sounds incredible and it's uh, there's also uh, a component of if i remember correctly there's a component of like 19th century stuff as well that you've given them over the years or that's part there's of a the archive little, no it's it's happening now the gifts but well there's a julie margaret camera on that sort of curious uh, but no, it's mostly it's mostly 20th century. Maybe they were uh, just talking yeah. about how, as part of what you also collected, you would like. Oh, I had a yeah, collection they, of glass plate negatives. I didn't oh, yes. think that they made yeah. a thing about that. They did, yeah, yeah. Um, because it's not. It wasn't really part of Schneider Erdman. It was really my thing. Hmm. Uh, I was going to try because we went through a period of, you know, doing very badly. <laughs> in the lab, uh, and I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to let people go because we had a, like seven. We had about seven people working for us oh, at wow. one point. Yeah, uh, and so I thought, well, maybe we could publish some of these uh, collections of of nineteenth and early twentieth century glass plate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I sort of obsessively sort of amassed them. And uh, I mean, we go to flea markets and right. photo fairs, you know, like photographic affairs, and John would be buying tin types, mm. and I would be buying glass plate negatives, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe a Julie Margaret camera, no, I like, right. you know, certain, but very, you know, not great condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. stuff that would end up in a photo fair rather than an auction as well. And on your website, there's uh, photographs that say they're from carte de visites. Are those from? Those were from my collection. From your collection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot there. There's the carte de visite. I literally went out looking for a New York studio on 26th Street Flea Market mm-hmm. and knew I would find that. They were very common. It was a very common kind of studio mm. type portrait, very sort of a plain ground, a bust bust length, small glass plates. They're like three by four. So, and I would, I started out printing, like when I came back to, because I'd been a filmmaker, when I came back to making my work a few years after my last film that I could no longer afford to do, because it was 16 millimeter in those days, not inexpensive like today. I thought, well, you know, as an artist, I could be this printer. And so I did. So I was printing to conserve as well as reinvent rather than assume authorship. Something amazing. And that was like that was that eighties postmodern thing. Yes. So I was in a way countering that in some way. Yeah. Yeah, And in the ninety early nineties, I went to Berlin for the first time, Mm -hmm. and I was at a. Uh, I don't know, I, like a junk shop kind of thing. And I found a little box of glass plate negatives, four by five glass plate negatives. Mm-hmm. And uh, it felt like such a treasure to find that, you know, and thinking about them coming, you know, yeah. who knows where they are made exactly, but these country scenes and the, you know, the people holding the baby. Yeah, and all somebody's, that stuff. somebody's album. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yes. And that yes. somehow through all these years that they didn't get cracked, they didn't, this didn't happen. No one scraped the emulsion mm-hmm. off. I mean, it was just, they're kind of incredible time capsules to come mm-hmm. across. But, um, so speaking of time capsules, let's jump back a little bit. Uh, okay. <laughs> so you were born in South Africa, correct? In East London, South Africa. I love it, East London. East London, yes. yes. Yeah. Just a little, yeah. twist the knife a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I moved to Cape Town when I was, uh, just as I was turning five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you, you decided, you're like, I'm out of here, let's go to... Uh, my, my, <laughs> parents, my parents decided to... My father was born in Cape Town, mm. my mother in East London, and so he could get more work, I think, in Cape Town. Yeah. Oh, so both your parents were yeah. born in South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. first oh. generation. Wow. Yeah, their parents yeah. came from you know Lithuania. Yeah. What kind of work or you know what 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 did your parents do? Uh, my mother, wa- my mother was a housewife, mm-hmm. and my father was a lawyer. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, while you were there, you wound up. Were you doing any art in, in your undergrad there? Because I saw that you. I did. Yeah. I did an undergraduate degree. Nothing in high school. Okay. I would have liked to have. <laughs> But no, uh, I wasn't allowed was it to. Not, oh, not allowed. It was available. Mm-hmm. My parents thought I should be a doctor. Mm. And then, of course, I didn't do very well in my last two years in high school. And so I could Crushed never have, their hopes. Thank God I could never <laughs> have gotten into medical school. So, yeah, yeah. It's so I a, ended up in art school after a few years of floundering around. And um, what was it like then? What was the art scene there in the 70s? And It had a kind of self, it had a self-consciousness of being um, isolated. And I think that is, it's, a curi- it's very difficult to think of it today because South African art is now so present, right, since the economic, since Mandela, since mm-hmm. the economic embargo was removed. It's just a very interesting, and it always was, right? 
it always was an interesting scene, mm. um, but very self-conscious of being there. Mm. And that's because of that, I think, and because of Vito Acconci, who just died recently. I don't know if you know. Yeah. Mostly Vito Acconci. He was my big influence. I thought I should come to graduate school here, and I was also draft dodging. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> if you were in school, I finished high school very young, like really young, too young to go into the army mm. in South Africa. And then I discovered that if you were in school, you, you, could, you could defer your, tra- your, your, your army thing. And so I just kept deferring and then I just didn't leave once I'd finished grad school. Hmm. Well, I'd already met John. I met John working uh, in Richard Foreman's theater. And, you know, we were together from then. So, like, oh. our relationship dates back to 77. That's wow. Amazing. I know. Long. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could be our kid. <laughs> <laughs> but now let's talk about that transition because yeah. coming from you know as you said like this very self-conscious isolated spot and then you went to pratt which you know now pratt brooklyn blah blah people don't even he's yes. like no big deal but to, in 70s brooklyn pratt that must have been pretty wild oh, like i just like well a, a that change. neighborhood was really dangerous exactly. i mean there were there were reports of rapes and murders almost daily mm. it was really scary the l train yeah. Not the L, the G, G, the G train, yes. the G train. And it's now such an incredible neighborhood. It was always beautiful. It's incredible architecture. Yeah. And actually the campus is very, you know. Oh, yeah, the you campus know, is It's great. a beautiful yeah. campus. Sure. But the, the fence was there for a reason. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So what, know, it's an interesting. what did that feel like to suddenly like find yourself in the U.S. but in Brooklyn? and Well, know? graduate school was a very different thing in those days. It was very different. And so I did apply to several schools, RISD Mm. as well, actually. But Pratt accepted me from South Africa. So I could, because the school year in South Africa ended in December. And of course, I wanted to immediately go into school. So, and Pratt, you know, Pratt accepted me as soon as I realized that my father could no longer support me, which was within my first semester, I immediately got a job actually through Peter Ujo in a photo lab. And I went to Pratt and said, you know, if you don't mm. give me a full scholarship, I will have to, you know, go back to South Africa and die on the border. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Literally, <right? laughs> Like almost like a refugee status you were claiming. I did, I did. I was sort of playing the whole refugee thing. <laughs> yes. yeah. And they gave me a scholar. They gave me tuition scholars. They gave mm-hmm. me a full tuition remission thing. W- was your yeah. father cutting you off? He was going through a change of thing. And oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he'd had enough of me. <laughs> no, seriously. I think it was, yeah. you know, he's in graduate school. You know, mm-hmm. it's sort of crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. It was yeah. too expensive mm-hmm. for him. It's probably, but how it much, was very probably, inexpensive say, yeah, compared to today. <laughs> like really inexpensive. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it was a wake-up call. It was a very interesting thing. And then I'm I'm taking a leave right now from school, mm. and I realized because as faculty we get sabbaticals, right? Well, speak for yourself. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you are your faculty. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, you don't get sabbaticals. They don't believe in art sabbaticals oh my at my God. college. Yeah. Oh no, we really get. You have to like go get another degree or something. Or oh, you have to have a PhD. <laughs> it has to be some sort. Of, no, it has to be directly related to teaching in your classroom or oh, something. Really? Yeah. yeah. No, we get sabbaticals. <laughs> like really good. Like every seventh semester, you can apply for a sabbatical every seventh semester. Mm. Um, but I took a leave without pay this one because I really felt like I needed to be available because of the deadlines on the show and the mm. book. But what's sort of very interesting for me about it is, you know, when, you, when you're preparing for a sabbatical, you pack it, right? So my last sabbatical, I prepared for a you know, I prepared for a show, mm. I made a book, you know what I mean? I kind of, right, you know, yeah. it, it, it was really, um, I worked harder during my sabbatical than I do even during the semester. But this one, I had nothing set up except but you the knew. deadlines on the show. Yeah. And so for the first time since 1978, I don't have like work but um, it is in work. This, yes, it yeah. is, but it's very different. It feels mm -hmm. very different. It's much slower, much more slow. It's still taking care of your career. Yeah, but I'm still yeah. in the studio. Mm -hmm. I'm still writing for the book. I'm still, but it's much slower. And it was kind of a shocking experience. So actually. it feels like an actual break. It actually feels like a break mm -hmm. because I can have days off. I can, you know, right. take time off which I never feel like, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but we live in such a strange world today where t you don't have the luxury of yeah. time off. No, you, you, and it's been amazing. It's been While really we're sitting incredible. here, my phone started beeping I from students emailing me about the grades <laughs> they didn't get from an adjunct of mine. There's no end. Yeah. Oh my God, but that's terrible that the yes. grades were not submitted. Yes, it is terrible. That's really, really bad. Yeah. And it's terrible that that's your job. Right. right. I mean, it is your job it to is. make sure that the adjuncts submit the... Yeah, I'm the coordinator of the program. Yeah. I, the adjuncts work for me. Yeah. Oh, wow. Big no. job, big no, job. Okay. You, need, you need a sabbatical, Mike. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sabbaticals yes. are great things. They really <laughs> yes. are. But this was even you know, a very expensive thing to do, right? Because it's without pay. But shockingly like valuable. So we should mention you're taking a sabbatical from Rutgers Mason Gross. You're the chair of the MFA. I'm the director of the MFA of the yeah, of the grad program. The grad of program. the grad program right. at the moment, yeah. Yeah. And but it's interesting cuz this semester I missed admissions and Hanalia Nina Rogeborg mm -hmm. stepped in and did, I mean it looks like a really great group. Oh, nice. our, our school is extraordinary. Now, I don't know if you know. We now have uh, a fellowship program where all all students no matter what their financial status are tuition they they have fellowship to cover tuition nice. that's how it has to be described right which is yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah i mean because they don't there's no they don't pay tuition wow yeah mm. in this era of uh the spiraling cost of yeah. mfas yeah. and people going into debt and uh and i mean there have been some programs across mm. the country that have been either very expensive or even give you a stipend, but nothing that is uh, like the Rutgers program. I mean, you guys have an yeah. incredible faculty. Uh, you're close to the city. I mean, there's, all, there's so many advantages to it, right? I imagine you guys are going to get f just overwhelmed with people applying. 
It's a, it's it's been extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. and, of course, and like also even, the caliber applying is extraordinary because of the democracy of that. I think mm. I think it affects who applies as well. Mm. You know, it's not a barrier. To it's, the money doesn't. Well, no, no, I don't think it's about the money. I think mm. it's more about the um, because we had a tiership that was unbelievable before, but half only half students got that, mm. and then the other half got nothing. Now they're all the same, right? Ah. Yeah, and the TAs had to teach four semesters, and so the rest of the the you know the rest of the student body got offered teaching when it was available, and now they're all offered based on merit, based on. It's amazing. Yeah, it's just, yeah. and it's worked out really well. We're only in our second, this is our second recruitment. This is our second year of the grad program, hmm. right? Of this, of this new, the, this new fellowship program. And um, it's, yeah, it's very exciting. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. very exciting to be part of that. Yeah. 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 I had a friend who went through the program at Rutgers, but it was in 2000 and six I think he graduated and uh, it was a painter but um I you know I, we didn't hear that much about Rutgers uh, back then it was a little I mean I've heard about it but it was you know it wasn't um Mason it wasn't as Gross. much as on everyone's lips as yes. it is now I yes. think like it got know, a lot of attention of course Carol Walker also brought a lot of attention Carol Walker as like well yeah, which yeah. is very amazing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, I think it's going to be going to be great so you're there at an exciting time you know? it's a very exciting time and i started in 2011 it's very i'm sort of i think recently there yeah right, right. yeah yeah. it is kind of recent yeah yeah six years uh, goes by yeah. fast yeah. Yeah. and then we just got accreditation for our program and so the undergrad i also think a grad program trickles very strongly to the undergrad program so that I think it's going to build our undergrad program in very, very positive ways. Yeah, and, and that, yeah. of course, depends on direction, you know, and, yeah. and, and how much connection and contact you allow between the two. There are, there are places who kind of put up a wall, don't want a whole lot of... Oh, no, no, we uh, have amazing connection. Yeah. Between, and Mark mm-hmm. Handelman came up with a, um, a mentor uh, system where the se- undergrad seniors are assigned to all like linked to a grad student mm. and they have meetings, they have studio visits and they, and it's sort of part of, we sort of think of our grads as learning to teach. Yeah. Right. That's sort of a big part of the curriculum, mm-hmm. I think. So yeah, that's his program is, I mean, he came up with that a couple of years ago. And so, yes, no, we, we want no barriers between the two. They exhibit together at the beginning in September. Oh, wow. There's an exhibition cycle where, undergrads and grads together can propose shows several you know and we have a very large exhibition space so nice yeah it's kind of exciting you know it's an exciting yeah. time yeah hmm. yeah yeah so we uh we jumped away from um your me, history a little me and bit printing. <laughs> well we were we were back at pratt <laughs> we were back at pratt that's right yes <laughs> and so yeah so um uh, what was your time like there Oh my God, Michael! <laughs> well, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was also doing a full-time job. Right. Yeah. I was making film. I did something called my my major was called New Forms. Oh. In South Africa, it was called Interdisciplinary Studies. 
Uh, I know, I know. Hmm. Um, it was the time, yeah. you know, and we're back at that. We are, Where? We, we really are. Um, uh, our grad program is, is completely interdisciplinary. So, yeah, it, it was a good time at Pratt. But I was, I was becoming American also, or learning. I realized in retrospect, because my Guggenheim project was this project. I was going to ask you. I know, I know, I know it was 2000. It's, yeah. it's a very interesting question. Because it's making me think, like, you know, why am I so retrospective lately? Well, you know, with the Harvard show and with this project, which is me... I had my first exhibition. I'm, I'm totally, I'm not answering your question. No, keep going. <laughs> but I've been thinking about those, you know, my identity and coming to this country and, you know, do you become an American artist? And look what happened to American art since then. You know, the art world has truly become global. There is... Not there isn't this very strong identity with a particular culture. Mm. Not some. I mean, okay. Although, now, although there's so much identity yes. politics, it's become personal. It's like everyone's taking it to the personal level. They're taking it to oh, the yeah. personal, but also yes, of course. There's you know there's uh, there is national identity. Yes, and South Africans have it. They really have it. South African artists really have it, right? Mm-hmm. The political identity. And, yeah, and that's and what I wanted to... Identity. I did want to get to like, yes. the influence of growing up in apartheid South Africa and, yes. and your, the way, the work you do, which is a lot about how we identify identity or how we identify mm. evidence or how we identify these different things. You're, I mean, you're, you're, you were working in a time when... Uh, you know, in a postmodern era where you know, there were challenges to traditional art, but mm. also... Uh, ways of identifying yourself were yes. opening up and things like that. Yes. And so the work we're talking about now, that your Guggenheim work, is is the handprint work. And the title of the book is Handbook? Is that- yeah, but, it's, but, but the subtitle is critical. Oh, South, South African, African artists. artists. Right. And there had to be artists living there. So what happened to me with any kind of survey show and looking at the survey shows are kind of useful and confusing at the same time. Uh, but what I realized was I make portraits, but my portraits often are not, they don't even look like the person mm-hmm. when I make a portrait of someone. Yeah. And the, these handprint portraits that I've been making since 2006 are, not 2006, 96, 96, oh, yeah. yeah, 96, are the least um, identifiable uh, as portraits, mm-hmm. even though they... They are scientifically yes, they're, port- they scientifically the information. Right, there's evidence of who you are. Right, they're actually forensic. Right, right, on some level, even though they can't be used, um, you know, they're they're not about fingerprint. They're about another kind of forensic information. I think mm-hmm. I don't really know what what forensic information, but yeah. but yes, they're scientific on some level. Well, they're literally like a body trace, you know. Well, it goes back to the case in Jovet, right? It's sort of, you know, the earliest, the earliest identity portrait is a handprint, an imprint, actually, in Jovet. It's like literally a a sort of an imprint, a pigment imprint. So I thought the best way for me, so yes, so with all these, with any kind of survey show, and these, these kinds of conversations, I've realized that I have a, a kind of 
self-consciousness about my history, about having grown up in apartheid South Africa, and mostly my work is outside of race and in the case of the handprints, even gender. My genetic self-portrait could be a portrait of anyone practically, except if you know that I have a Y chromosome, it's a male Mm -hmm. portrait, Mm -hmm. right? But it's certainly my portrait because, uh, because it's my genetic information. Right. right, it's my information. So I think also the sperm would give it away that it was a male. The sperm gives it away that it's a <laughs> male. <laughs> but it could be a male monkey. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Now we're going interspecies. Okay. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes. But even when I'm printing the heads, I kind of play with color and surface and so that it removes it from surface. So in 2011, I had my first exhibition in Johannesburg ever. And uh, I set up a darkroom and because this, this is still very much uh, an 8 by 10 graphic arts film. Mm. And it's an imprint portrait in a darkroom. It's all the alchemy of the darkroom and chemistry. So I set it, and it's for me. It's a very intimate, dark space, unfamiliar to the you know to the subject. And so I set up a darkroom then, and made many. I, I, all of my spare time, I was there for eleven days, I think it was, and all of my time was set up making prints. And then I came back to this country, and had a, a, an exhibition of that work in Manhattan in 2011 at the same gallery. He has a gallery in New York, Cape Town, and Johannesburg. Mm. He's a South African. He publishes William Kentridge's work, mm. and he has workshops in South Africa, publishing a lot of South African artists. Mm. Uh, prints, not not photographic. Right. It's not, uh, yeah. And I just got the bug. I mean, I thought, well, what an amazing way to meet South African artists. And... Uh, while I was in Johannesburg making these at Wits University, they sort of gave me an old, their the gang darkroom had been sort of, you know, they, they no longer do dark, they no longer teach darkroom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they gave me like um, a small space with a sink that was used for, had been used for washing down like screens, like it's for silk screens. Right. It was perfect size, really small, like, just enough for an enlarger, a stool, the basin. That's it. And two people. And so it was this very exciting way to meet South African artists. Mm. Right? And on my way from, uh, in, I was in Bramfontein, which is very sort of, at that point, a really kind of difficult neighborhood. You couldn't, actually, there was almost, there was a, I was told there was a curfew, like after dark, you had to be in your apartment. Uh, it's kind of a dangerous neighborhood. It's changed very fast. It's become really like a, very much an art neighborhood now. But f- on my route for lunch from my little darkroom to the one place I could eat was Saneli Mucholi's gallery. And I'd never heard of her at that point. Hmm. And I would, every time I would, like, and she was having a show. And I would go in almost every day and be dumbfounded by this work. Mm. And so I kept telling all the people I knew in, in Johannesburg that I have to make her handprint. This has to happen. <laughs> i got to meet this, this incredible artist, mm. right? And she's truly 
the kind of South African artist that, I mean, look at her, look at William Kentridge, look at uh, these generations of artists that deal with race issues and the history of South Africa in very particular ways. I don't. Mine is, I'm not an activist in that way. Right. Mine is, it's implicit in the work. Like, I'm self-conscious of race. I'm self-conscious of gender issues. Uh, and so I remove it from my work, right? right. I mean, I, I, it's become so obvious in retrospect. I didn't realize it during the making. Why do I make portraits? Well, to understand that, right? What am I going to feel from another person when I'm... That's why I made prints for people. Right. What am I going to learn from that psychological mm-hmm. exchange forget about the making and the like you know the the incredible um affirmation of an other artist being excited by something mm-hmm. you produce there's mm-hmm. affirmation there right yeah. but you know your so, some mm-hmm. of your techniques though do have this kind of um Orwellian sort of uh, intrusiveness, <laughs> right? Intrusive? Chrom- in, in examining chromosomes, taking handprints, oh, yeah, 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 shining yeah, a light yeah. in someone's face for eight minutes to, to create well, a, an exposure of look them, at the right? Nudes. Yes, the those nudes. are very, right, like, you know, right. lay, on this, lay on this black velvet right, for I, like three hours. So I do wonder if, for if, me, if that you know? author- authoritarian society <laughs> did have an influence <laughs> it, as, a com- as commentary. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you can write. <laughs> Write that review if you wish. <laughs> I don't mean you are authoritarian. I yeah, just yeah, mean yeah, as, yeah, yeah. as maybe, a technique. I mean, maybe as I a, learned. As, as, maybe I learned. Well, uh, you said as, as an, as an yeah. implicit sort of influence of, of the society that you grew up in. But I see, I see my portraits as a totally different process mm-hmm. of like, yeah, they look that way, don't they, to you? They look harsh. They look tough. But actually... Most of my, most of the people I photographed experienced them as extremely intimate, mm. which is the kind of thing I learned from Peter Ujjaya, even though we look, our work looks nothing alike <laughs> and is made nothing alike, right? But uh, I was photographed by him quite often. And so his ability to allow the the other person, most of his things are one-on-one, mm-hmm. right? Mostly. There's some groups and, you know, there's some other things like still lives and animals, even the animals. There's an intimacy that he achieves through a process of making it intimate. Right. And that's even though he's saying very little during a photo session, there's a, I mean, I talk a lot. I mean, that's my nature, you know, and I'll talk a lot during a portrait session as well. Mm. And I'm, you know, I'm describing it as I'm making it. And I'm, yeah, I'm Probably asking. Probably useful if you're three hours in a dark room yes, together, yes, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. In a totally dark space yeah. with a huge camera above you. Silence you would know, be a Silence else, and I'm right? using a small flashlight <laughs> and I'm sort of right there up close right. to yeah. the surface <laughs> of the body, right? Like looking intently uh-huh. at information. Yeah, right. Gathering, tracing, tracing as I go. It's sort of like a movie for one thing. Mm -hmm. So it sort of continues that process. It becomes this time-based performative thing. Mm -hmm. But the person is experiencing it very differently from me. I'm sweating and breathing hard and, you know, getting exhausted. 
And they're often falling asleep from the relaxation of it and I'm keeping them awake, hmm. right? So there's a, it's very different, the, their experience of the portrait from mine. The handprints are much fast. They're really fast. It's a total of, you know, 10 minutes in the darkroom. If I have to repeat it, it's a problem. But, you know, maybe 10, depending on how dry it is and so on. Could be 30 minutes maximum. But the portraits, the heads, are an hour. Hmm. And the nudes were like were three hours of a session from laying down to when I opened the lens. Wow. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a really long, really yeah. long, but very relaxing and meditative for the for the subject and um, mesmerizing because of the light and me count I count aloud mm. I'm counting the light hmm. while I'm making them mm. yeah. it's, almost, it's almost sounding like a hypnotic session, a hypnotic well, I, session. I'm also yeah. kind of trying to be in time I'm mm -hmm. trying to be in the moment yeah and um, yes it's it, it, most people <laughs> find it pretty hypnotic yeah they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 the connection I see I mean, I didn't know that your parents had hoped that you would be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that you would be a doctor, or you know, I mean, well, you lawyer, know, I Jewish doctor. in South yeah. Africa. My mother had this thing. My mother had a real self consciousness about what had happened in Germany. Like she grew up with that, right? She grew up with that. Lost a lot of her family, extended family, and so yeah, she really believed that you should become something that you can flee with, right? Mm. So a doctor was a universal the most obvious skill, thing. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. In fact, when my parents came here, my father being a lawyer, and he just turned 60, it was like early 60s, it was probably my age when they came to this country, and followed all of my sisters here, not really me. Oh. But yeah, yeah, yeah. When my, when my youngest sister left, they followed her out. And of course, he was a lawyer, which is very uh, landlocked. I mean, it's very much South African lawyer. And to take your bar again at that age was not going to happen for him. Yeah, well, yeah, the difference. Yeah, so, well, so a doctor, <laughs> right? Yeah. being Jewish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doctors and lawyers. And I have a son. I have a son-in-law. I have a brother-in-law who's a doctor. And so he was, you know, he was the big one in the family. It took them a long time. My mother never really did um, respect my choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the lab always struggled. We were never wealthy from the lab, you know. Right. So that you could just we have not turned to a business people. and say, "Look, I'm doing fine. Here's no, my business." No, right. we never were doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> the the connection I wanted to draw though was to your work, yeah. which. I mean, you could make an argument of medical, but I was going to just say there's a scientific kind of thread, mm. e even in the look of your work, but I, I think even in the the approach that uh, ties through a lot of your bodies of work, I'm thinking of uh, the, one of the earliest things you have, I think it's earliest, the bottom of your website, the pages, they look like almost like Petri dishes with specimens in them. And then of oh, course, those, are, those are microscope slides that I've, uh, I've enlarged. Yeah, I mean... But those were the early work where I thought I should take under-examined, um, this was scientific. I loved, I love, I love science. I love scientists. Hmm. I mean, when I discover someone's a scientist, I'm, I get very excited about that exchange because I think it's such a different, it's similar to us as artists, but 
a different type of it's observation. It's a different kind of goal, mm-hmm. right? It's a different, it's a different way of processing information. Mm. And so I sort of love that. And I know I'm not a scientist. I'm way too abstract a brain to be a scientist, you know. Even though scientists are very abstract mm-hmm. brains. But I don't know how to make solutions. So I come up, that's why I do series. I come up with um, a script. And I usually work that out on John, on my partner. Mm-hmm. He's sort of my to-go-to <laughs> subject. And then, and then once I've worked it out... I apply the same script to to any... I'm still making heads in similar ways that I did in 88, right? So it's I keep going with series in the same way. And so once the script is there, once there's a way to solve a problem, and the, solving a problem means actually getting an image. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and the way you want it to look and everything else. And well, yeah. not even the way you want it to... No, that's, that's an interesting thing that I... I the way they look, okay, so much happens after the camera, right? So much happens. Like even when I'm appropriating things now from the internet, and I've been doing that since 2005, hmm. so much happens in the interpretation of that. I really think of myself as this interpreter, like as a printer, I was an interpreter of what information was coming at me from the artist. And so, yes, I'm looking at an image maybe I've appropriated or maybe I made it myself, like uh, a transparency or these handprints, and then I'm interpreting it. And so in the darkroom or in the computer, most of the work, I think, is happening. For me, coming up with a script means I can compare them to each other because Mm. it's the same script, Right, mm-hmm. So I can sort of see how much that person was present or gave me or resisted or played with me or, you know, all that stuff um, because I'm comparing it to the others as well. So I have a kind of control. Mm-hmm. I have a control situation. So that's what I get from scientists. Yeah, like no, I this use, is very scientific I use method. The, yes. I use the control <laughs> system. Right, right. Yeah. And I sort of borrowed it from Akanchi because, like, you know, he would do a performance, but he would have this script, you know, I'm going to follow this person. I'm gonna... mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it just makes it easier for me. Actually, one of the South Africans, like a very successful documentary photographer, said, why are you doing this now? You've been doing this these exactly the same way <laughs> since 2000, since 96. Don't you want to do some other kind of portrait of us? And I thought, well, you know, I'd rather just have a conversation with you and we make our portrait as an aspect of that. (laughs) And that's really what it is Mm -hmm. for me. (laughs) So in a way, the making of the art is really in the exchange. And so the art itself is this other thing that I know I can make work in the darkroom because I'm a printer. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um, Sort of it's a curious thing. That yeah, aspect I, of it. I would imagine that some of your attraction to the pleasure that you get out of making the work is is in the, again, thinking like a scientist, but it is in a way of trying to f- figure out how to even, how it's possible to make it, right? How, how is it possible to to uh, come up with the script that's successful and yeah, but it's already. I mean, it's it, it, it's already come up with on John. Right. Th- what was interesting about the nudes is that... Um, when when aperture first when i first started 
having meetings with Aperture about a book. It was going to be a book of various bodies of work, and I'd started making the nudes, and so they were going to be included. And then all of a sudden, Leslie Martin got very excited about them and said, oh, well, as I started accumulating them, right, uh, she said, well, um, maybe we'll do a book of, like, fold-out, like, life-size things, right, because I was going to print them life-size. And then as I continued to make them, because we had a deadline, but I was continuing, it then became uh, a book of just the nudes. Mm. And she, in that exchange, that's kind of interesting in a relationship with an editor, right? In that exchange with her, I kept going. Usually I stop when I feel like, and this is getting to your question, Mm. when I feel like I've gotten too good at making them, Mm. right? I I'm too, I'm feel like then I'm anticipating the steps mm-hmm. in a way. But I went beyond that with her because I wanted more images in the book. Aha. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I even went beyond our deadline. And so there are several that I, I just kept making them because I got really addicted to the process of like how to approach someone would you like to, you know, do this full frontal nude? And then, like, showing them others and saying, this is what they look like and yours will look similar. And then going through this thing. Because having someone be naked in front of you is not so easy for them, right? So, yeah, I got really, in, I got addicted to that exchange. Because it went so beyond my it's usually just my close circle of friends that I make portraits of. Mm. This was way beyond that. It was neighbors on Long Island. Like, you know, the cover is a neighbor across the street. <laughs> so it was interesting. It got really very, that part got interesting. But it was really the, the relationship with the editor that sort of took it, with that Leslie, that sort of took it beyond. And it sort of changed my approach. So, yeah, I, for me, it's... I think I like inside of your question was mm. the being inside of the making, like being in tune with it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, for me, it's a lot about that. It's can I make another one and have it be fully rendered? Because of course I'm accumulating bits of information as I go. Mm. I mean, I haven't made one of these with a camera since two thousand and nine, ten, the new ten. No, of the heads. Oh, I, the made, heads. I made yeah. another oh. series of heads that is, I added a few recently that I just hadn't added that are from 2010. So, I mean, I'm thinking of going back to it. I sort of love film. Mm-hmm. I do love film, yeah. you know. Well, the, the, so the heads are... The digital thing is, is interesting, but it's very different. Yeah. yeah. The heads are made, and it's described as eight-minute sessions where you're painting in the face with light, a small light source of some kind, yes, right? like a small flashlight. Right. And yeah. then the, what you get is, is, is a somewhat uh, distorted view in some ways, right? I mean, mm. there's, some, there's some movement, right? So yes. you, you might expose an eye at one, one point, and then the other eye doesn't line up so as well. There's a because, wonderful Helen right. G. portrait that right, describes right. it really well. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because, it, yeah. because it is time-based. You're, yes. actually, you're actually creating a time-based portrait of, of, of a person's 
uh, face and, and um, not how they would see themselves necessarily or how other people see them uh, in, a, in a meeting or in a, the way we normally perceive people, yes, yes. but creating this, this sort of new representation of them. Right. So you think it's looking like a face, but really it's tracing their performance and mine, mm -hmm. you know. And so, yes, there's going to be dramatic distortion based on what happened in that eight right. minutes. Right. And you were, yeah, yeah, you were yeah. saying that the exchanges are different with people and, and yes. you can compare them side by side and see what someone gave you as different from someone else gave you. Right. But you have the process that you came up with, probably with John, right? And on, then, on John. Right, on John, right? <laughs> and then, and this is what you were saying with not necessarily knowing what it's going to look like because someone's going to give you something different. Yes, you yeah. can't really control it. Yeah, yeah. So that part is very exciting. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's uh, kind of... Um, and that's why I would photograph people... I would keep photographing friends because it would be several years later and they would have a new experience and I would have a new experience and they will have changed and so would I. Mm, so yeah. that's very interesting. I mean, I, will, I, I, I'm, I bought, yeah, I bought some Provia. I'm not so excited. I'm a Fuji 64 yeah. tungsten, it's all gone. Oh, yeah. It no, tungsten they no, won't make. I know, no, I know. I'm very sad. I, that will never come back. No. <laughs> it won't come back, right? No, they wouldn't uh, bother. <laughs> even, know, even when they I made know. tungsten, the market was, wasn't was all like that great. It was small, yeah. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was such a beautiful film. Oh, yes. my God. And uh, can we speak a little bit more about genetic self-portrait? Because okay. um, it's interesting. I mean... Look, we're now with in this world of selfie culture and everything, mm. but this idea of an artist deciding to make a self-portrait and, you know, someone might think, okay, I'm going to, you know, photograph myself from all angles or I'm going to do my fingerprints. Or I'm going to do all these things. But, but you went down, you know, to the chromosome level. I uh. already mentioned that, you know, I don't, how many people have ever seen a, 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 a photograph of one of their sperm? Probably not too many. I mean, right. You really and that's went, not even that much enlarged, right? Compared to, compared some, to some of the, of the other, other stuff, right? right? Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. So um, I, I just think it's an a fascinating concept, even from the beginning. And and how did you even? Well, at what um, what brought that about? What well, made you I'd think been to do making, that? I'd been making the appropriated work. Like uh, there was a scientist working with uh, entomological, like and insects, mm -hmm. and so those may be at the bottom of my yeah, I saw of the, my, yeah. on my website. And those were negatives that I found in St. Kitts. They were the first negatives that I bought. Mm -hmm. And I just thought they were so beautiful as objects. I brought them home. And because of the change in relative humidity, they started to go to powder, oh. right, from real humidity oh. to in my normal environment. And so I printed them to conserve them. Um, and then it was so exciting. They were so mm -hmm. beautiful mm -hmm. uh, as these damaged things. That was like 87, I think. 87. Um, so I'd been working with scientific stuff and so on and so on. And uh, in 80, in 96, like 10 years later, Howard Stein, who died uh, a couple of years ago, years ago, yeah, yeah a few yeah. years ago, uh, was brought into my studio and he got very excited about that early work and said he'd want, he wanted to facilitate a response from me to the Human Genome Project, which was sort of underway. Venter hadn't even, I don't know if you know about the Human Genome Project. Sure, it's so course. old at this yeah. point. No, I know, but right. it, it was 
Huge. It was huge. Yeah, it yeah. was huge. Really and important. Yeah, and because of Howard, it kind of spawned. Yeah. You know, he was very into it. Yeah. He was really, Tom really Roma into Tom Roma did something with Howard Tom, as well. Tom, and, uh, Tom yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, that's it. Yeah, his relationship, I think, with Stein went even further back. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? but he did something in response to the Human Genome Project. Oh, he wow. did. Oh, yeah, oh well, okay. Panels yeah. of spiraling photographs, right? Yeah. And relationships. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It was big. So that true, but of course, you to, I took it as an opportunity of course, yeah. to make to work with scientists, nice. right? Mm-hmm. And so I responded very fast, saying, and and then so he introduced me to the scientists at uh, Columbia Presbyterian. Hmm. I think he put some money into their research or something. Hmm. You know, he did stuff like that, and so I had access to these geneticists. And so, yeah, I thought, well, you know, I can look at my genetic information. It's yeah. too exciting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I could actually, you know, get my images rather than me, me printing some other images. Yeah, some generic found image. It was, or whatever, yeah. Exactly, exactly. It was very exciting. And uh, and I, they and like one like uh, Dorothy Warburton, who was the first woman. She was a she was the chromosomes. It come from her. Um, she, they introduced me to each other. Hmm. So in a funny way, this thing was guided and co-curated by scientists. Hmm. It was very exciting. Time. Yeah, it was wonderful. Well, was uh, really we, of course, we're going to link to your website. And when people go look, you have these uh, great installation shots from when it was at uh, at the old ICP. Yeah. Which is a, oh, was such a it was the last building. show at the old ICP. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. And you know what's sort of weird? I, sh- I, th- I should call them up because... They, um, they, no, they have no memory that it was there. It says that it was on 6th Avenue, the show. But it was the oh. last, it was no, in the, it was in, the it was in the ground, in the ground floor. Oh, yes. So beautiful. Yeah. I oh love that God. space. Yeah. Yeah. I love that space. But it, it almost Oof. could be, it looks, because of the nature of that building that yes. it was in and the way they're installed and, you know, the, uh, the detail of the building. I and mean, when people see the photo, the installation shots, it reminded me it could be something you would come across at like the Natural History Museum or something, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. More than like an art show. It oh, looks I love like, that. Yeah. No, they really do. It looks amazing. Wow. Yeah, pretty oh. incredible. That collection, that Howard's collection is, is on its way to, it's being gifted to Harvard right now. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Which is amazing. Really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he, he bought a set of them, and then he got very, he was, he just loved them. Someone should, at yeah. some point, someone has to do, like, uh, some sort of study about the influence of, of Howard, right? Because there's so much work, I know, mm-hmm. that that came out of, his, he had, he was so generous, and uh, well, even think it's of, like... Well, it's kind of controversial, but um, uh, yes, I wish there were a, a sort of a comprehensive like catalog of all the projects he was involved with. Yeah. But he was involved in kind of different ways with each project. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking of like even yeah. like Mark Steinmetz and, uh, yeah. and uh, you know, Chris Pitchler out there, oh, books yeah. that, all these books that were published. There's mm-hmm. so much that, that came through. Well, the, the, all the books after mine. Mine was, uh, mine was the first, weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. And it was published by Lightwork. Uh, and they have a relationship, Jeff Hoon and yeah. and and uh, and JGS, and so that came. That was a that was a an exciting experience too, because it was printed at um, uh, Steinhauer, oh, yeah. which was in transition at that point. But Steve Steinhauer was still there, running it, and he made sure that it's it's a gorgeous book. You'll see. 
<laughs> it's very gorgeous. Um, you know, printed on uncoated stock, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all that good stuff. <laughs> printed in like, you know, in t- uh, two days. Like, uh, you know, the second day was a touch play to get the blacks and really good. So at some point along this trajectory, you're... You're making your work. You're part of this downtown scene of, of these yeah, artists. Back to the lab. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm actually oh. not. But I'm, I'm going to skip past it. Actually. Uh, you know. And of course, uh, your partner John also was, uh, you know, doing theater work and performing. And you know, you guys were really uh, tightly involved with all of this. And then you have the lab and other things happening. But at some point, you also started teaching. We we spoke about that. Mm-hmm. You're at Rutgers now, but you yes. started teaching so what what how do you think that came about what was the impetus to- oh no i, rem- I remember it very and I, and I talk about it very readily um so how well do you guys know gilles perez um i know i've i meet him once a year right. at uh, the, oh, bre- at the, bre- the breakfast the breakfast, yeah, yeah, yeah. The breakfast. <laughs> we haven't even mentioned the breakfast yeah, yeah. that's right yeah at the photo <laughs> care breakfast don't you love jeff yeah, yeah. yeah. jeff hershey's <laughs> like photo care it's breakfast like he's so yep. generous yeah we've had him on the show yeah, yeah jeff has been we've on the show yes i know i, yeah. I listened yeah. to it oh, i yeah. know it's wonderful yeah, uh, yeah that breakfast is wonderful okay so jill was one of my earlier clients um, he came to me through Magnum because I was doing, I'd started. The, one thing the ad got me to, the ad in Photo District News, mm-hmm. it said, and I just remembered this recently, it's been very interesting, this Harvard show, because it's been kind of, I've been rummaging through my memories. Mm-hmm. It said that we processed tech pan. Did you? <laughs> what? That's some ad. <laughs> and, and in those days, if you wanted to shoot TechPan, uh, should we discover what TechPan is? Is, is? is your is your audience interested in sure, like, we, ancient we, we, history? We always have a nerdy section. We do. We always we have, have a nerd, a nerd section. Oh, we do. Yeah, good, yeah, good. Yeah. Right, right. I was sort of hoping. I was yeah, hoping yeah. it might be. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it was such A-Zone. a slow film, you had to, um, you know... You had to buy Kodak's special developer, and it, you could do one roll at a time. And but we advertised that we did it because I had a client. Uh, oh God, I'm blocking his name. You want to call Maybe John? I can insert it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Can, oh, I could call John. Yeah, yeah. I could call John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, call oh, friend. no, 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 oh. Ray Mortensen. <laughs> Sorry, there Ray. Go. Sorry, Ray. Um, and he was shooting TechPan four by five actually, mm. and he'd come up with a way to process it using very, very, very dilute rotanol. Oh, wow. Like one to 200. Hmm. Can you imagine? Can you imagine putting a client's (laughs) film through a developer that's diluted one? Practically water. Maybe it was one to 100. But it was a scary dilution, right? (laughs) A really scary... In order to get it, even with... with, even with the Kodak developer, it was very short development time. It was too short, really, right? So you would get drag, and it was really a problem. I don't know. Did you ever shoot it? No, I, I shot Panatomic X quite a bit, but that was ASA no, 25. that was way that was, faster. That was, that was, that was, <laughs> was practically way, normal film. It was yes. like by comparison. <laughs> yes. To, yes, yes. This was like 12. Yes, it was like 12. Right? Yeah. It was nothing. And so he was shooting 4x5. Actually, there's a print in the collection of his, uh, of actually, of the uh, World Trade Centers from New Jersey. It's kind of a wonderful print, like a, a 30 by 40. Uh, anyway, so he'd come up with this thing, and it was very successful, and I was processing his film. And so at the time of the PDN uh, uh, ad, I mentioned it, and of course I got a million things, but 
among the requests, I got uh, Bert Lynn came in with a, with a corporate annual report. And I think be, through Bert, I think it was Bert Lynn at uh, Magnum, through Bert, uh, Gilles found me and Gilles' pretty technical guy. Mm. And so we would have, we had this very healthy relationship. I was prepared to use any chemistry or paper right. he required, right? I mean, and, and I loved it. And that's sort of what, I, what kind of relationship I wanted. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's film was everybody, each person's film and, uh, you know, so, and each person's processing was particular. In fact, I had someone, well, we went, I, I, I can go on on tangents <laughs> forever. But um, he called Phil Block and said, this guy has to teach. And there was 87, I started teaching at ICP in 87. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, well, Charles. And I love teaching. And then Charlie came, when he started the grant program. He told us you taught here. I taught for a year. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so that would have been 87, 88? When did he start the program? About that, about 87, I think, or 86. It was sort of around that, I think it was a little later, because I was was doing work for him for Wayfarer. It could have been 88, 89, something like that. Yeah. I think it was slightly later. I could Mm -hmm. look in my CV. Um, I sort of forget. But... um, yeah, and I was doing, and I just mentioned it recently in, a, in an interview at Harvard. Uh, it, was, it was advanced black and white darkroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I met Sally Gall. We were sort of standing in the hall, like looking at Prince, mm. and she was teaching another advanced black and white darkroom class. Wow. And we were, all, we were both reviewing, you know, uh, student stuff. It was kind of, yeah, it was an interesting moment. I love teaching from that moment. I mean, it was immediately an exciting mm-hmm. thing. So yeah. there was ICP, SVA, Cooper other? Union, yeah, Cooper? Cooper Union. Cooper, after that, yeah, I stopped everything once Cooper began because that was uh, mostly two, became two classes. Mm. And I was there for 16 years. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Photo one and advanced. Do you... Uh so this is going to be a dumb question because I don't know the answer. Mason Gross still have dark rooms? We do. We had, nah, I would love it to be two semesters, but it's one semester. Mm. Yeah. And it's popular. It okay. is popular. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a requirement for anybody wanting to study photography, but it's really popular. We've sort of opened it to the rest of the university too. Oh, wow. Well, to the art, the, the sort of school of the arts and sciences is mostly. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's great. We have a few sections. Do you, on it. Do you ever get in there and I do. Show well, I donated off? my darkroom to ah. Rutgers, and so they set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They set up a large format darkroom. Very nice. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Very sweet. My old Durst laboratory. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. When we link to your website, people can click through to see your CV. It's like if we, we if we I just have to, you know, it's I should edit it. I, I should edit yeah. it to if, be more useful. I think. But it doesn't, you know, what's curious to me about this show that's about to happen, the Harvard thing, it doesn't really address that aspect of my life. And that's, I realize now that's a really important aspect of who I am. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or who we are together, John and me. Mm. So, yeah, I know it doesn't address that at all. But it is extensive. Your, the, your CV well, I, you know, on your I started website, making yeah. work a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think it also it also just it it partially speaks though to uh, what it was like to be in New York and that in oh. and, and coming through because 
Like, I mean, when you speak to your, to the MFA students mm. at Rutgers, I mean, National Endowment for the Arts, uh, Guggenheim, uh, you, know, fel- you know, fellowships, going to Yaddo, doing all these things. It's mm. in, in a way, um, I don't know if it's because there are more professional, quote unquote, professional artists out there in the world or, or not. It's, it's, it seems rarer for people to, you know, have mm. all of these experiences. I mean, you know. I think you're... Well, you, you, oh my God, you really hit the nail on the head there. Mm-hmm. Yes, the world has gotten, our world has gotten really huge. I mean, it really wasn't so big, right? Yeah. It's gotten like, yeah, it really was a small... Yeah, John was saying recently, you'd go to performances downtown and it would always be the same small audience. Mm-hmm. You'd go to film screenings at like anthology or... Mm-hmm. And it'd be the same group. Right. Right. You'd all kind of know each other, at least by sight after a certain point. I mean, it's, you know, yes, it's huge, but we still all know each other. Yeah. We do. We do. But the, the, there's no question. Uh, well, the, the NEA thing was through the Harvard survey show. Mm. Um, that's really how that one happened. It's not a personal NEA. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's true. I, I've been very, I, I think I've been very lucky. Because my work is, it's quite marginal in a way. That's a weird thing to say. I'm not part of... Uh, <laughs> uh, you're not, oh, you're on, not part of a movement. Or I'm you're not. Saying, yeah, Am yeah. I, what what, yeah, do, what right. kind of work do I make? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What yeah. does it look like? Okay, the work is abstract, hmm. but it's always linked to a source image. Hmm. It's not abstract process. Right, right. It's, right. you know, okay, so, yeah, so even there, it's like, oh, well, doesn't fit. Uh, I think my work is document, but could you, could you, would you dare call me a documentary photographer? I don't think so. Yeah. That. So, you know, it's like, where the hell does this person come in, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, yes, I think I've been very lucky. That actually, you know, actually that, brings up a question I had. Yeah. You were you received a uh, part of your CV. You received uh, the Alfred Eisenstadt Award from Columbia School of Journalism and Life magazine. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what was that for? Well, <laughs> that was for genetic self-portrait. Okay. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and genetic self-portrait was this other. So I think within the work there are these other things like genetic self-portrait like the handprints, right. right, that are science, yeah. very science-related. And yet, on the other end of your spectrum, you also had some hand in working on the Madonna sex book. So oh, you like that, don't you? Yeah. But they're making a case. You'll see they're making a case study of that for the website on the show. <laughs> and there was a separate acquisition of that book. Oh, we oh. gave them a copy. I thought they should have the, the yeah. books that we printed, right, that are printed. And that was an interesting, that's a very interesting story, the uh, history of that, uh, of printing that work. Let's yeah. hear it. Because it all had to be very, very private and silenced. Nothing could be mm. released ahead. Mm. So, and we had people working in the lab. So I had to be printing that work without anybody in the lab seeing the work. Mm. So, you know, John had to, so we, we, we signed uh, whatever it's A called. A confidentiality kind though, of agreement. Like, serious contract with mm-hmm. her and then uh the work had to be dropped off and picked up at night wow <laughs> wow i mean i didn't process the negatives oh okay. it was all right. steve Mizell came to me after 
uh, a print had gotten leaked from his lab mm. and Madonna had, uh, you know, freaked out about that. So, yeah, it was kind of a really rough project to do, but I couldn't not do it. It was, did you, did you have you ever seen the colophon on that book? No, I never Oh, have. my God, no. it's extraordinary. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it's Benson and it got printed on uncoated, like, textured uncoated stock hmm. with a million copies and it's Callaway is the mm. publisher and you know it's like it goes on and on and on <laughs> I mean it was a great line I couldn't say I mean you know you want to be part of that lineup yeah 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 and also I think Stephen Mizell is a really uh, great photographer but yeah and I wanted to see what they would do I mean as a printer I was always like I was always learning so for me that was and Callaway came into the lab and said, We have this situation, we really need a small lab like you that can do this and it not be you know, there's no issue of uh, anything getting released before the book comes out. And I'm going to prove to you why, right? And then he just went to my bookshelf and said, I did that, 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 that. It was like, Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> right? Nice. So it was well, exciting, it was an exciting, but I mean, Harvard got very excited about it. And they're making literally they're making a case study of the book for the website, hmm. and it did. It got our um, the, the, the managing agent for our building, we were really sort of. I don't want to complain, but we always, you know, we could never really afford to stay in business. And we got our, our rent. It was, we had a 1,600 square foot loft. Maybe it was bigger, like 2,000 square foot. And we were paying $3,000 a month. And we got the rent reduced to $2,000 a month <laughs> because we'd printed the Madonna book. Nice. So, yes, you brought it up. <laughs> the managing agent was a Madonna, you know, like person. And he said, I don't understand why you need the rent reduced. And yeah, but he did it. There you go. That's <laughs> Thank incredible. you, Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> Kept us in business for a few more years. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think it's, uh, this is going to be interesting. The show opens in 2018, right? Uh, At Harvard? May 2018. Yeah, yeah so uh, graduation uh, week. Ah, so a, a yeah. year from, from when we're recording this. Exactly, yeah. 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 So. Mm. We'll make sure to, uh, to keep people, it. yeah, to promote it next year, and, mm. and then promote the book, right? Yeah, yeah. I hope. I, I mean, the, yeah, the book will come out. They make sure the book comes out with the show. That's great. And I'm also glad to hear about the oral history component. I just think, but Harvard's very into that. Yeah. They've um, they were part of that original oral history program that was begun at the Dominial and uh, at the Getty. They were part of that, and the Whitney. They were part of that consortium of like oral history of artists. And so their conservators have always believed in that. So, yeah, they yeah. do. It's a big, it'll be a big component. They've talked to a lot of artists. They've mentioned it in this, in this press release. Yeah. They've talked to a lot of artists. Well, yeah. it's certainly part of our motivation, and we're so happy that you. Well, would. that's why you do it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? This is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So happy both, that you could come yeah. on. Yeah, it's both fun for us to do, but it's also mm. creating a, a historical record and getting right. to know more photographers, and you know, keeping the community going. Mm. And so, yeah, thank you very much. This has been fantastic. Yeah, it's been really fun. Great. Thank you both. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. All mm -hmm. right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.